Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year 2022. We welcome you all to the Happiness Journey with Dr. Dan podcast, where every journey is worth living. My name is Dr. Dan, and I'm your host for today's episode. I am a cognitive behavior psychotherapist specializing in anger management issues, both court-appointed and private, marriage counseling, dissociative disorders, narcissistic personality disorders, depression, anxiety, dream analysis, and also provide life, business, and retirement coaching support. I provide individual one-on-one session and also group setting. If you need any assistance, reach out to DMV Therapy and Coaching Services at 301-325-1550. And our website is lifecoachdanamzalag.com. Today, I'm very excited to have for our first episode of season four, a very special guest, and let me try to spell it correctly, Carolina Zakovoloska. <laughs> and just like every of my past uh, season, I will leave it up to the guests to properly introduce themselves as no one can do a better job. Carolina, the floor is yours. Well, Dr. Dan, thank you so much for a nice welcome. And I'm so impressed with the body of work that you provide for your clients and audience. Uh, well, I am here as an alcohol-free life coach and an author of a new book called Euphoric Ditch Alcohol and Gain a Happier, More Confident You. And you know, when I say the word alcohol, I think that we get these uh, assumptions in our minds because we really rarely talk about it in our society. Sometimes we talk about it in a very lighthearted way. You know, we talk about the happy hour we're planning or the, the dinner party we're going to have with our friends. And then we also talk about alcohol when it gets very, very serious, right? Someone hits rock bottom. Someone has a horrible catastrophe happen in their life. They have to go to rehab or AA. And so what really is missing in our society, I think, is having a reflective analytical conversation all in the middle of that, those two spectrums, right? And that's what I really like to provide is just give anyone the opportunity to reevaluate the role of alcohol in their lives and really make sense of it. Because, you know, growing up, I grew up in the United States, for example, and there's a huge alcohol culture here. And, you know, most people start drinking when they're teenagers and then carry on the habit for the rest of their lives. And I was that person. I wasn't hitting a rock bottom. I wouldn't call myself having a drinking problem, but I drank regularly and every single weekend. I lived a very healthy lifestyle throughout the week, but every single weekend alcohol would come in and basically bulldoze everything that happened that was good during the week. And it drove me nuts, but I didn't really think I was allowed to make changes because I was scared of the labels. I was scared people will assume things of me. And alcohol was just always such a present in the society. You know, always it was the game night, the sushi night, the wedding, whatever. Um, and so I finally made a, a change and I finally ditched alcohol. And when I took a break from alcohol and just discovered the most happiness uh, on the other side of not drinking. And now I help people do the same thing. It doesn't matter where they are on the spectrum. doesn't matter how much or how little they drink. I'm here to provide just a way to reevaluate the role of alcohol in your life and truly ask yourself, is it really adding to my happiness? And what would it look like if I just experimented with a new way? Beautiful. Well, this definitely is very honorable, uh, Carolina. Um, now, for many who have who actually look for excuses to say, well, I'm using alcohol to relax or I'm drinking only socially or this or that, or I never really, they never really admit that they have an addiction to alcohol. Um, the, the concept that you offer or the book, the euphoric uh, book that you uh, wrote, is it like a transition phase from starting to be self-aware of what alcohol does damage to their body? Is it more the physical or the mental aspect that you focus more primarily? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I, I really focus on both. And I, I would add another one. I, I, I focus on the body, the mind, and the soul. So it's a very holistic perspective. Uh, but, you know, like there is a, a very huge, huge assumption in our, in our kind of cultural uh, 
understanding that alcohol relaxes us. Right. And we, we all have these busy days. We come home and we pour a glass of wine and it's supposed <laughs> to make everything go away. And then the, the one usually turns into two or whatever. And then the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, that is obviously uh, a very uh, common reason why many people drink. And something that I love to explore is, is a little bit more of that science of the body and how the body actually responds to alcohol. And, you know, they've done a lot of studies now about how alcohol actually affects us on a molecular level. And it actually creates a lot more anxiety in the body and our body, because it's a depressant will actually counteract that depressant by releasing its own stress hormones. So when we drink, we do release cortisol in our body and adrenaline and something called dynorphin, which actually makes us feel a lot lower and more sad. And so, you know, on a physical level, it's actually not really, it's, it's numbing us for a little bit, but then after that, we actually have a higher stress response. Mm-hmm. And I've even talked to people who will say, you know, I only had two drinks and they have a, one of those, you know, uh, like Google or Apple watches, and they'll notice that their heart rate or their stress response has gone way up a few hours later. So it's really interesting that, you know, this, 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 uh, this concept that we have of alcohol relaxing us. It's like you wake up the next day with the same amount of stress, but then you have even less stamina to face it because you might have a headache. You probably didn't sleep very well that night. Um, And so I think it's just one recognizing that a lot of the assumptions we have around alcohol are actually false. And so that's what my book helps you go through to just kind of dispel any illusion that it really provides all these benefits. But the book really helps you go through uh, not really the, the scare factors of what is wrong with alcohol, but more of, well, if you took a break this is what would happen for your body, your mind, and your soul, and really gets someone excited about what would happen. So beside the fact that in the physical side of uh, drinking that you could uh, get liver cirrhosis, and as you know, liver cannot be transplanted without any much success or failure. Um, but in your, in your study, I would say, when you try to help people go through the transition part from being addicted to alcohol because of the so-called benefit that it brings them for that moment, because they, they're more focused into the instant gratification of alcohol. Um, in long term, what, what, what do you tell them to be able to give them hope that it will get better? They will not feel the need to drink alcohol, especially with someone who's very addicted to anything. I mean, it could be alcohol, drugs, it could be food, it could be anything. How do you transition them to that phase? Yeah. And I think that what's really important here is a lot of times, you know, we'll talk about habit change where we actually like remove the drink out of your hand, right. And, and do different habits. But I think what is really crucial here is really also mindset change. And it's this mindset that has come to believe that alcohol is so needed in your life and that it serves this huge purpose. And I think that, you know, the human needs psychology, starting with, uh, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but also there's a few other models. I think we can actually dissect someone's relationship with alcohol and recognize it's not just these, uh, these small innocuous reasons why we drink. We actually attach a lot of our human needs to it. Our need to maybe change the state of our brain, our need for having comfort at the end of the day, our need to feel more social, our need to even feel more loved because we belong with a group of people who are also drinking. There's so much that goes into it. That is actually a lot deeper, right. Than just a a beverage in a glass. And so when I work with people, I I help them recognize, you know, what is the underlying reasons why they have come to have a relationship with alcohol, both looking at it from the beginning, you know, because at the beginning, a lot of us start socially. And so a lot of us start to get that belonging. We want to fit in. Maybe, maybe we want to rebel. Maybe it's like the sign of independence or the sign of becoming an adult. So it's this 
it's mirrored with this idea of having glamour sophistication in our life or independence. So there's all these different status symbols. I think we attach to alcohol that is so subconscious. We don't even know it. We don't even think about it. And then the, the actual society and marketing just plays those and repeats those over and over and over for us. So until we look at those kind of subconscious needs and reasons why we've come to have a relationship with alcohol or why we have one today, it's always going to have that desire. So you could even put the drink down, but you'll still feel like you're missing it. Right. So until you resolve those, which I, I walk my clients through a process and it's in my book as well, you know, that will still be strong. But once you do, once you really start peeling back the reasons and, and then you can even like take an old reason why you like to drink, oh, it makes me more social and confident and come up with a new conclusion. Actually, I embarrass myself. Actually, I'm insecure when I, after I drink. Actually, that's not true. You start to break away that old mental association and it chips away at the desire to drink too. So you do have to do this for each one, right? All, all the reasons. But at the end of the day, if you do the work, you can literally be left with no desire for alcohol, which is, you know, like where I am and where many of my clients are, where it's something like you couldn't pay me to drink. I feel lucky. I don't have to drink anymore. Right. And it's really similar. A lot of people smoke cigarettes when they're younger, you know, in college or, or whatever. And today, similarly, like I also could care less about cigarettes. Right. So you could see how it functions with other habits that we've had in our life where now it's like that really has no pull on me anymore you know, you can reach the same place with alcohol when you kind of lean into it and do the work. So um, when it comes to addiction, um, now you tend it's a change of habit, which for everything in life, including food or exercise, et cetera. Um, but in the case of alcohol, where, as you mentioned about fitting in and the kids in school, when they're being introduced to alcohol, it's cool, et cetera. But those who actually are going through those hangovers, I mean, hangover in itself, it's such an unpleasant moment when you wake up in the morning. And do people are still wanting to continue going through that pain? I mean, that in itself should give a pretty good indicator that your body cannot really handle alcohol the right way. Now, unless there's tricks around it, you have to drink one glass of wine, for example, and two glass of water or three glass of water. So you could, you know, uh, I would say, I'm not sure if you could like alleviate the symptoms of uh of a hangover because it's more dehydration more than anything. Um, but is there like another way to be able to tell people, look, how did you feel about the hangover? Did it make you feel good? Did you vomit? Did you feel headache the whole day? Your whole day was completely done. So is there an other strategies that you use in your book to be able to kind of lean people off of alcohol beside the social aspect of it or beside the liver cirrhosis aspect of it, et cetera? But is there any other psychological angle do you use in your book? Yeah. And I think I, I really love to lead in instead of avoiding pain. Like that's a lot of times what we're trying, why we're motivated in the beginning to change almost anything, right? We want to avoid pain, but what if, you know, we switch it around and see like, well, what about all this pleasure we can also go to? So, you know, taking a break from alcohol will like really can change someone's life and, and really just taking an experiment with it. You know, right now it's January. Uh, so a lot of people are doing dry January right now where they take the month off. And they learn and, and discover new things like, wow, I actually have a lot more energy when I'm not drinking, or I actually have a lot, like my sleep is a lot better. And so sometimes we don't even know. I think that yes, the hangover is, is horrible and you wake up every Monday, but where every, every, whatever day it happens, but you also live in this cyclical pattern where the, the social events keep repeating or your habits keep repeating. So it's hard to see a way out of it as well. It seems so just normalized in our society. 
Um, but when sometimes when you actually just, just experiment, like, okay, I don't have to say I'm quitting forever. I'm just going to take a break, right? I'm going to take a, a 30 day break. You can actually really lean into what you naturally feel like once your body rebalances. And that can often be the most joyous feeling and something that really helps instead of push you really pull you towards the new habit. Uh, you know, personally, I had so much more energy. I slept so much better, you know, even a little bit of alcohol will affect your sleep as you know, probably. Um, but you know, I also started to really regain a lot of, uh, a lot of mental well-being as I was going on a break from alcohol. It's almost as if I could start trusting myself more. I had more self-esteem because every day I was doing the thing I would, I said I would do, you know, I wasn't breaking my self-trust. Uh, I started feeling more love because every morning I woke up feeling well and not, you know, on the wrong side of the bed. And all of these things kind of started stacking on each other, you know, the energy and also a lot of confidence too, because it was like, whoa, this was my Achilles heel. And now I'm smashing it. I'm doing so well. I'm going so many days without it. And so all of this started to just feel so incredible in my life. And I, I look back and I'm like, wait, so what would I trade this for? Like a beer I've had a thousand times before in my life. How is that worth it? You know, I've been there. I've done that. I know exactly what it feels like to be a drinker. What I don't know is this new experience. And I really want to continue leaning into it and seeing what I'm capable of without it. So at the same time, while we go over some of the science of how alcohol affects your body, it's always kind of counter counteracted. Well, and this is what will happen when you take a break. So the person not only gets, you know, not feeling ashamed of, of what they've already gone through, but more of hopeful of what can be coming for them when they, when they really truly take a break or, or reevaluate the world of alcohol in their lives. And that's the thing is that it's not just the physical, you know, alcohol really affects our mental chemistry as well. And it makes us feel more anxious and more sad or gloomy over time. And so when you're allowed to like rebalance your brain away from alcohol, a lot of even people who feel that they suffer from anxiety and depression, not, it's not necessarily a magic pill and it all goes away. I'm not trying to say that, but it really, the, their natural state, their natural base level elevates, right? So that on a, on a more daily basis, they feel more positive feelings and they feel more hopeful. And personally, a lot of people I work with, they, they literally feel so happy, like happier than they have in their life. Uh, and it's a beautiful thing. And, and you're not only you know, feeling better, but you're also really reevaluating all these other areas of your life. You know, if a drink on a Friday night was your sense of fun, it's almost like you have an invitation now to find a new way to have fun. Mm -hmm. And it's a really can be really fun and exploratory to discover what that is. Maybe exploring new hobbies, exploring new passions, new interests, getting to know new people. I mean, it really is almost as if like this one little change is like a domino effect in so many other areas of your life. Um, and, you know, personally, I went from having a, a nine to five job where I felt very stuck. I felt very unfulfilled. And now I am an author. I'm a coach. You know, I do what I love for a living. All of that happened because I took a break from alcohol uh, and I'm not an anomaly. It's the st same story has happened to so many people I've known and so many people I've worked with where literally it's this one little thing they change and everything changes. I hope that you've dedicated a chapter in your book about the financial benefits of letting go of alcohol. And also, um, I myself as being, uh, I used to do a professional bodybuilding and uh, I, I'm not really a, an avid drinker, but when you see people like uh, at the beach and you see them with a beer gut, I mean, I could just imagine, it looks like they're in their third trimester of uh, before giving birth. And we're talking about men here. <laughs> um, so the, the look, and you said about confidence, of course, when you go to the gym and just imagine the empty calories that you ingest in your body, um, they don't bring any benefit. They just make you feel even worse. And as you know, in the beer, more you drink and more thirsty you become. So you continue drinking and drinking and drinking. Before you know it, 
you're completely buzzed and uh, with your head down in the sand. Um, but then as well, um, uh, Carolina, would you, I mean, if we have to go through your book, is there like any specific chapter that you put more emphasis on to be able to convince people? Because again, like any addiction, there's withdrawal. If let's say you give up alcohol, how long is that withdrawal effect that uh, lingers in someone's body before saying, okay, well, I'm okay to move on or I'm going crazy without alcohol? Yeah. Yeah. Good questions. And I think you bring up really great points about, you know, the money you save, you know, in the United States, they've calculated that the average drinker, not even a problem drinker, an average drinker spends between three to $7,000 on alcohol a year, right? Insane. Like you could, you could fund multiple worldwide vacations with that. You could do so much with that. And so it's honestly a beautiful way to also, you know, rediscover how you like to actually be treated. You know, is it really a half night remembered bar night or is it some beautiful experience you can create for yourself? And same thing with the physical effect of alcohol on your metabolism and weight gain. It's yes, empty calories, but it actually slows down your metabolism and makes it so that you don't process your calories you're getting from food because it has to process the alcohol first. So all of that gets, you know, stuck in your waistline basically. Uh, And it's just, it's really, really bad for the physical health. Um, but yes, I think that when, when we do make the change to take a break and my book is really positioned in a way to first prime someone, you know, why you should take a break from alcohol. Here's all the physical benefits. Here's all the mindful benefits. Here is all the soulful benefits. And then I guide someone through an eight week plan in the last part of the book so that they're so excited. They're so ready to try it. And then they take an eight week break and every single week they have guidance. They have a theme they're doing reflection, self-awareness, a lot of that kind of stuff. But when it comes to like the first few weeks, I will say obviously this, I'm not a doctor and, and, you know, please go see your own medical care professional, but, uh, everybody will have a very unique experience and it's really dependent on your own body, but also your past drinking habits, you know? So anyone, I think who was used to drinking every day, even on a lighter basis, but like say one or two glasses every day will actually feel the effect when they take a break because your body all of a sudden was really used to that. And now it changes, right? So even the withdrawal sounds very intense and very much reserved for someone who's drinking a lot, it actually can, you can feel a little bit of that uh, rebalancing happening where you just feel off, even if it was a more of a lighter daily pattern. So your sleep cycles might be um, disrupted a little bit, but the thing is, is that alcohol is horrible for the sleep. And so it just takes a little bit. It's just a rebalancing. I like to say it, right. It's just like a healing period where you might feel like it's harder to sleep a little bit. Those neurochemicals we talked about, like the stress hormones, they all have to filter out of your body. That takes a little longer than the actual alcohol itself to leave your body. Right. So there's just this maybe two week period where it might not feel the best. Right. Uh, and obviously too, if you have, if you feel like you're physically addicted to alcohol, and you have any symptoms nearing, you know, hallucinations, tremors, all that kind of stuff, like go, please see a medical professional, please. Uh, you know, it could be very dangerous to actually just stop drinking at that point. Um, but if someone feels that they're just kind of a little weak, a little tired, you know, it's, it's a little hard, you know, I think it's like, it's almost as if just to know that just like when you get a sickness, your body is fighting so hard to heal itself. And it might not feel the best, but sometimes trusting that the body uh, is really doing a lot to fix and repair at that moment can help, you know, like, okay, this is, this isn't the best, but let me just go through this. Let me sleep more, have more compassion for myself while I go through this phase. And I love to say, even in just five weeks, a lot is happening internally. So in just five weeks, they've studied what abstinence does to someone who drinks regularly. 
uh, your blood pressure will go down. Your cholesterol will go down. Your liver fat will heal by 20% in just five weeks off alcohol. Your cancer markers in your blood go down. Your gray matter in your brain grows more and your neurons regenerate. So imagine like that's a lot of work for your body in five weeks, right? So I love to tell people, yes, you might not feel your best the first few weeks, but you're, you're massively healing. Right. And, and if you see it that way, it might be a little bit something you can lean into more. Some people don't feel these effects that much either. You know, it's, it's really dependent on your drinking habits, but again, I just want to say if it's very serious, if it's the tremors, the hallucination, you know, please go see a doctor about that. Now, some uh, doctors recommend like one glass of red wine that could actually help lower cholesterol um, or triglyceride in your body. Um, But then again, that's those who actually only drink one glass of wine. But your book is primarily for those who makes it like uh, more than just a regular quantity because everything in moderation is okay. But we, our culture, tend to bring this moderation into another level. And we, we, because of course, like you said, when it comes to socially, so for example, if someone drinks because he has a group of friends that drinks, so would you recommend them to leave that group of friends or just, um, you know, tell them, hey, you know what, I am on the detox program, I'm stopping completely from drinking. So they're going to go to a club and just drink water. So, but the social pressure it's kind of like they push you on, like, come on, it's only one drink. It's not a problem. So how do you tell people to get out or try to find new friends that are more active, that prefer uh, going, working out, et cetera, versus those who actually prefer drinking? Do you actually tell them to kind of like let go of those friends? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think like something to recognize too is, as you mentioned earlier, like the health guidelines can be pretty low, right? And, And what we've become, especially in a country like the United States is, we have normalized drinking in excess of those. We've totally normalized it. You, you can't go to a party or a di- even a dinner party, a fancy dinner party, and everyone has just one glass and everyone stops. It's not like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so we've really normalized. And, and so that's the thing. It's like, do I have a problem or do I not, right? Because everyone around me is really doing something similar. So it's hard to know. But at the same time, something I really like to lean into this, this one statistic is that they found that at least in the United States, 52% of drinkers actually want to drink less or not at all. So the majority of, of drinkers actually want to drink less or not at all. And so that's what I love to actually bring up when you do go socializing, because if you're the one who's taking a break from alcohol, you might feel like you're the only one. You might feel the odd one out. You might feel social pressure. You might feel like people are going to cajole you or, or make fun of you. But I like to remember, remind people, actually half the people in your group actually want to do this too. They have some kind of internal desire. Now, maybe they're not self-aware enough yet to really articulate that yet. Maybe you need to be the role model they need to see. You know, Maybe you're not the out one out. Maybe you're the leader. Maybe you're the inspirer. Maybe you're the role model, right? And so you know, knowing that, you can become a little bit more confident about it. I like, you know, I like saying something along the lines, like when someone's first starting, like, yeah, I'm taking a break. I, I want to feel healthier. I want to feel happier. Like there's just, there's just truth in that. You don't have to say anything about your vulnerabilities. You don't have to share your whole life story on a platter. When you tell someone you're taking a break from alcohol, uh, you know, the truth is really, you want to feel a lot better. Right. And so that might really inspire people. Some people might ask questions about it. And yes, some people might be rude or try to cajole you into having a drink, but it's oftentimes a huge red flag on their end. It has almost nothing to do with you. And what you've done is you've put up a mirror to their own drinking habits and that makes them feel very uncomfortable. And so they're, they're just showing their own insecurity with you about their relationship with alcohol. And so if, you know, I like to say like your nearest, dearest friends, the people you love in life, like 
it might take time getting used to, but maybe you could invite them to a coffee or to a hike or just, you know, do something different than happy hour. But if you really have a group of friends that just can't understand and like are really making you feel stupid and small for doing something like this, is it true that maybe you guys have nothing in common other than drinking, you know? And then obviously too, in this new position, I love how you framed it. Maybe there are people that are more active or maybe more people that are into personal growth or into entrepreneurship or any number of very like healthy, passionate type of areas where you're, you're, you're living healthier values. Uh, you know, maybe you might be attracting more people like that into your life as you're embarking on this journey too. So I, I, I would love for people not to have fear around, you know, the social aspect or losing friends because one, maybe you could lift your friends up together. And if they really aren't on board or, you know, they, they, they don't accept you for what you're doing, you know, I'm sure there's new people that are, that are ready to come into your life to really inspire you as well. It's all about how people perceive the angle that you're changing in their mind. Because like you said, if you become the leader among them and tell them, you know what, I stopped drinking for like two weeks or three weeks and I feel amazing. I have much more energy. I have this. Maybe for them, they're going to start, like you said, asking questions and oh, so did you feel any withdrawal with what happened? It's like for a lot of people ask me about intermittent fasting or how putting my, myself in a stage of ketosis, how it helps my body. I mean, if you stop eating for three days, you completely rejuvenate your immune system. A lot of people don't know the benefits. So I explain that to them. I tell them, look, this is how it helps. I, I help people lose a tremendous amount of weight, get in shape. I used to be a personal trainer for 20 years with the National Academy of Sports Medicine. So I have a, a good understanding about kinesiology and all. But overall, for me, I just am very passionate to be able to just give information, educate the people. And this is what we're doing with the happiness journey here. And uh, but the key here is that if people are willing to listen, then these are the people that are willing to understand more about what you want to share. And they're willing to be able to also want to transform. Like you said, 52% want to completely stop or even reduce their consumption of alcohol. So these are the people that will absorb your information and will be more welcoming of it. But those who are stubborn, it's time to change. I mean, you know, you have to change your environment as well. And first you change yourself, but then change your environment because you don't want to go back into the old habits. It's not worth it. But so tell tell our listeners, how can people find you or find your book, uh, Carolina? Yes, thank you so much. It's such a lovely interview. So my book is called Euphoric, Ditch Alcohol and Gain a Happier, More Confident You. It is on bookshelves and on Amazon. And to quickly find it, you can just go to www.euphoricbook.com. Mm-hmm. And also if anyone's interested in, you know, working with me, doing a course with mine or listening to my own podcast, you can find all of those good things at www.euphoricaf.com. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Carolina, that is all the time that we have for today's uh, podcast. I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us, especially being the first episode of season four. Now, thank you for participating and inspiring our many listeners with your incredible story and advice. Now, we hope that you have all enjoyed today's episode, and I'm very excited about the many upcoming guests that we have scheduled for season four of the Happiness Journey podcast filled with inspirational stories just like the one that you listened to today. Now, here are some concluding words of wisdom. Take up one idea. Make that one idea your life. Think of it. Dream of it. Live on that idea. Let the brain, muscle, nerve, every part of your body be full of that idea and just leave every other idea alone. Never think of plan B so you can avoid redirecting your energy into something else. If you show passion for that idea, nothing can stop you. On the one hand, expect many of the naysayers out there sharing their opinion as to why you shouldn't pursue this idea. Many will just project their own insecurity into you, but this is a part of the process. Expect that to happen. 
On the other hand, surround yourself with people who will encourage you the best way for you to reach your success. The rest is up to the universe to make things happen. Trust it and the rest will follow. My name is Dr. Dan Emzelag and may you all keep pursuing your amazing journey in life.